so this morning, I want to share with you this morning, and I am going to talk to you, surprise, surprise, about rest and silence, actually, which was quite um, coincidentally timed with Remembering Sundays, where we always take a little bit of time to be quiet and reflect. So, um, and we have talked about rest and the importance of like resting in the middle of the storm, being able to put your head on the pillow in the middle of the storm for the last few years. And you might think, what else is there to say about that? Um, but somehow there is. And this morning, I want to talk about, about a bit of a paradox of working to rest and what we actually need to do in order to rest. Because for me personally, I am a doer and it's very hard for me to stop. But a lot of the times, the things that I do don't actually give me rest. So when I say working to rest, it's actually learning of what you actually need to do in order to receive the rest. Um, and I want to talk about this idea of being intentional in our rest and not expecting it to just happen. Because even though the rest is beautiful, I need to do something intentional and proactive to it. Because each time I used to think of these words, Not those words. Let me just. <laughs> oh, great, well, it's not here. Is it? It's these words that says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, in Matthew. And I used to think of these words of something that requires no effort, no effort on my side. My mind went to a place of where I have to do nothing. Jesus will do it all. I'll sit back, relax. He will take all the yoke and He'll do all the work. That's fine. But as time went on, um, as time went on and I learned some things, and I learned to really, about this rest, about putting your head on the pillow in the middle of the storm, and there has been some storms in the last few years in our personal lives, but even together as a church, as a nation, as I've learned this, I've realize more and more how actually take some work and actually sometimes a lot of work and intentional work to rest the way the father wants to receive the rest that god has for me oh actually a lot of times he has taken a lot of unlearning in order to rest in order to meditate contemplate be in his presence however we want to call the time with him it's something that doesn't happen on its own it's not something that comes naturally. Naturally would be to, for me to go and sit down and take my phone out, or naturally come for me to go and t put, turn the TV on, or you know anything else, but it's not natural. So taking the approach of just stopping and doing nothing hasn't really helped me in the past, because rest comes from within, and rest comes from a place deep within my heart, spirit, and mind that is a peace, whatever is going on around me. But that doesn't just happen. So the way I was thinking about this morning is I'm here where I don't know how to rest. I have no rest. And in between rests, I just crash and go to my, go to comfort and escape. And I want to be here where 
unrest all the time. It can be chaos around me, and I'm at peace because I know God is good. But there is something that needs to happen in between. Because even though I'm here, and I know where I want to be, it, it can't just happen. It doesn't just happen. And also, it's not just something that you can just jump over. All these hurdles, and you get there. There is things that need to happen, the things that I and you need to put in place in order to get there. And I believe that we can be at rest whenever and whatever we're doing. We don't need to do something to earn the rest that God has for us. I truly believe that I have experienced it myself and I've been around people that have experienced that and act out of that and talk out of that and react out of that place in everything they do. But, and this might be a bit big but for somebody or for more than in order to be there, we need to actually do some work. It doesn't just happen. Even though as time goes on, it is something that becomes easier and more naturally, but it isn't something that just happens. Some people find it easier than others. Some people find it harder. Some people have different schedules. We all have different um, seasons in our lives that are going on. I am not talking about that particular right now, but in order to be in this place of rest, receiving his rest and peace, sleeping through a storm, there must be some work that needs to be done in each of our sides. Personal work, not something that someone else can do for you, not something that you can pray yourself into or declare yourself into. I know that those things are wrong, but for, in order to receive rest, you can't just pray yourself to rest. Because so, if you look at Jesus, throughout the Gospels, and I Google this, by the way, it says that it says over 38 times that Jesus went off alone to pray. Over 38 times of the gospel says that Jesus went alone and prayed. He went on a mountain. He went in the morning. He woke up before everybody else. He left crowds behind. He went off alone to pray. And by praying, I believe the Bible means just being in the presence of God. Not always particularly meaning praying as in out loud, saying something, but being with him, soaking in his presence. And we see Jesus doing this over and over and over again, going off to pray before he talks to the people, after he talks to the people, when he's with his, his disciples, when he's with other, he always goes off to pray. He is being intentional. Because the truth is this, there is a real battle for your mind for your focus and for your attention. It's a battle as old as life itself. Yes, the distractions have changed over the years and they're much easier under your fingertips, but the, the, the battle for your mind has always been there. And Jesus knew this. There is a battle for your focus, for your attention. The next slide. Could you put the next slide up for me, Joe? Um, look. John Malcolm, in one of his books, says this, because what you give your attention is to the person you become. Put another way, the mind is the portal to the soul, and what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you give your attention to. That bodes well for those apprentices of Jesus who give the bulk of their attention to him and to all that is good, beautiful, and true in this world. 
but not for those who give their attention to 24-7 news cycle of outrage and anxiety and emotion charge drama or the non-stop feed of celebrity gossip and cultural drivel. As if we give it in the first place, much of it is stolen by a clever algorithm out to monetize our precious attention. But again, we become what we give our attention to, for better or for worse. And when you see like that, you're like, oh. I like this one that says, the mind is a portal to the soul. And what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. And to one side, that is a very scary thought because we know what's going on in the world right now. We know how easy it is to have access to that information constantly. But on the other side, it's like, okay, well, it means I have some control what I put in there. I have some choice in what I do and what I see and what I hear and the environment that I place myself in. This is why Jesus is showing us how, it, how to be with the Father, physically and mentally going away, separating from all that is distracting, being intentional and praying. Jesus was being intentional about going away to pray, waking up before everyone and hiking up on a mountain didn't just happen. He wasn't just wandering around, let's see who's out, let's have a drink, and then, oh, I end up on a mountain, might as well pray. No, he knew that he needed to do that in order to do everything else. He was being intentional with his time, with his actions, and he was proactive. It is true that we are in a season of rest, in a season where we must allow our head to be on the pillow in the middle of the storm. But I also know from experience that that isn't something that comes easily to many. It isn't something that comes naturally. Therefore, we must go on a journey of getting there. Being able to stop, rest internally and physically and externally when things are not going the way we want them, it's not something that comes easily. It's not our instinct. I've used this example before. When I'm in traffic and I get stopped in traffic, and I always think, okay, what can I do? What is the shortcut? Where is the shortcut? Can I turn around and go the other way? Can I go... I can't just sit there in traffic. And I probably end up wasting more gas and time by the time I've gone around all the tiny streets because I can't just stop. I have to find another way. But the reality is that we need to train our body, mind, and everything to stop. So if it's not something that, just, that, that doesn't just happen, it means we can make it happen. We can do our part in being with the Father and receiving all he has for us. And I believe that a lot of our unrest comes mainly from two things. Hurry and not being in the moment. Those are one of the main two killers of rest and being in the presence of God. And let me expand on that. Where there is hurry, where there is rush, there is no rest. Think of a time when you felt relaxed and at peace and nice. Were you rushing somewhere? Were you rushing to get out the door? Were you in a hurry? 
And we see this again in Jesus. Jesus never rushes. Even when the people around him were thinking, could you be a little bit quicker? Could you, you know, there were times when people were thinking, what is he doing? You know, like the Lazarus story. The, the people came to him and says, he's about to die. Can you come and be with him? And Jesus is like, okay, I'll get there. And there are so, and now obviously we have read the story and we know the ending. But can you imagine being in that moment and thinking, what do you mean you're not coming right now? He doesn't have next week. He doesn't have time for you, Jesus, to look at your diary and book in a date next week because he'll be dead next week. And Jesus does not allow the people around him to be rushed. And when he gets there, people are like, not that we told you, but you are a bit too late because he's dead. And Jesus, in his grace and his amazingness and his everything that he is, he's like, in your minds and in your human timeline, yes, I am too late. But who am I? I'm not too late. And we know that he brings Lazarus back to life. But Jesus doesn't rush because in rush, rush and hurry is such a killer of love and peace and rest. And the other one is staying in the moment. And I believe, because I've done this many times myself, but there, I believe there is value in looking back and unpacking things from the past and deal with them and pain and insecurity. And there is so much value in looking forward, planning, visualizing, dreaming, and picturing what the next year might look like, what two years, ten years from now might look like. But when we spend time with God, when we enter his presence and want to receive his rest, we must not rush and we must stay in the moment. These two key factors will help immensely when meditating and contemplating when being with the Father. And I love this quote from this book. Can we put the third one? It says this, we wait in silence. In silence, all our usual patterns assault us. Our patterns of control, addiction, negativity, tension, anger, and fear assert themselves. That's why most people give up rather quickly. We wait in silence. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit want to sit with you. They want to talk to you. They want to take your yoke. They want to hold you. They want to take all your burdens away to give you rest and peace. But that happens in silence. And I don't always particularly mean silence in the environment, because that's not always possible. Let's be realistic. We live in the real world, even though that is helpful to remove distractions, but silence within. Could you put the next one up for me? How able are you to quiet the noise within? How able are you to stop, remove distraction, and sit in silence with him? How scary does the thought of sitting in silence, even if it's just for five minutes? 
What are some of the things that you must unlearn in order to rest? These are questions that you and I need to answer for ourselves. Questions and answers that will reveal how far along the journey we are. Questions and answers that will help us look internally. Realize where we are in order to move on. Only when you know where you are, you can move forward. If the answer is, no, I can't quieten the noise. No, I, I can't sit alone in silence for five minutes. Then that's okay. That's where you are. So don't start with an hour because you will fail straight away. So start with one minute. A minute seems to be more achievable. It's only 60 seconds. When you've done a minute for a few days, maybe then try two. I've talked about this book before, and even this morning, Margaret and I were talking about it, and I will talk about it <laughs> till the end of the day. Because John Mark Homer does a great job to remind us about the unforced rhythms of grace. He reminds us in this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and encourages us in the book to slow down and eliminate rush from our lives in a way that he, that in a way that we find rest in God. So one of the quotes says this, to walk, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. To walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. If you look back to Genesis 1, it says that Jesus was walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the morning. What a beautiful picture of, Je of God. Not Jesus, God. Well, they're the same. God was walking with Adam and Eve. And I, I, I can't imagine them doing a power walk. But what a beautiful picture of God walking with Adam and Eve in a slow, unhurried pace, talking about the creation, talking about everything. And, yeah, hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes it and never advances it. And I, for many years, believed in the art of multitasking and believed myself be master of multitasking and believed that I was so much more productive. And at times, practically, I was, but it never brought me any peace. I might have finished three jobs at the same time, but my state of mind was not in the greatest place. There is no such thing as multitasking successfully because something will not get done properly. And that is very hard to hear and to do in our time and age when everything, when you can do 10 things at a time because you can pull your phone to listen to a podcast while you listen, while you cook your meals and while you order something on Alexa because she'll do it straight away on your Amazon wish list and all those things at the same time because the battle for your mind is there all the time and the things have been so easily and facilitated to us to do 10, 20 things at the same time and we still don't feel productive at the end of the day somehow and we still find that we need to 
talk about how busy we are as if it's such a prized honor that I've told you how much busier I am than you. In a time like this, to learn to stop, slow down, and rest, it seems very countercultural. But Jesus shows us time and time again the art of slowing down, doing one thing at a time, being present, being in the moment. He was preaching and talking when his family came. Oh, that was good timing. When his family came to the door. And he didn't stop. Oh, sorry, guys, let me just listen to my, my brother. No, he says, it's okay. My family are here. If you want to come and listen to me, come in here. And he shows us time and time again how to do just one thing at a time, how to slow down, how to be present in the moment. I truly believe that every person that had an encounter with Jesus felt like he was right there listening to them. His mind wasn't racing to all the other things that he could do or should do or people were asking him to do. Which, of course, it does mean that some things might not get done. We can't do everything all the time. Learning and accepting this truth is very liberating. Just now before church, I was talking to someone that says, I need to stop doing that thing. And you might think, but why do I have to stop it? I can do it. I've got the time. Well, you're squeezing it in between a million other things anyway. Why shouldn't I not do it? And it's so hard to not do I, you know, if we look at Jesus again, he probably could have done way more things. He would have just kind of learned to multitask. You know, he's God. I'm sure he could have. But actually, what, he, what each and everything that he gave his time to was precious and was present. And learning and accepting the truth of that we can't do everything all the time is not an easy one, but it's very liberating. A truth I'm still on a journey to learn, but looking back, I can see how far I've come and the ways I have been able to receive his rest in times when nothing around me was restful or peaceful in the environment. But I want to keep growing and learning and moving forwards from this place. And that sometimes means working to rest, which seems a bit of a paradox. But I need to work to unlearn that the things that seem to come easily and naturally when I'm weary and tired are not always the things that give me a proper rest. Working on being intentional with my time and my actions. Working on slowing down and staying in the moment. Working on being in silence in his presence. And not being terrified of what I see, hear, or find. Because being intentional and spending time with God will no doubt bring us rest. But it's not something that's just happening. It's something that needs to be practiced and keep working on it and keep doing it. So this morning, I want us to do that, just that. We've already done a minute silence. I think we can manage five. So I'll give you some things that I do. These might not work for you, but if they work. Before I have my time, I make sure that it's a little bit tidy around me. No, thankfully it's tidy here. But I have a lot of things going on. As a mom and three very young children and a household to run, there is always something to think about, about a shopping links that I need to do, about this and about that, about that. And 
just telling me to not think about those things will not help. The more you tell me not to think about them, the more I'll think about them. It's just how my beautiful, wonderful brain works. So and then I make a list. Before I have this time, I make a list. And the list might include something like says, make a list of shopping. But then I know it's out of my mind because I'll get done to it. Text so-and-so, message the plumber, check the food in the oven, whatever I have in my mind this moment, and I know will try to steal away from my time with God in the next five minutes, I write it down. And even though they still need to get done, I know it's written down. And I've taken an action and a pro, and I've been intentional about not letting those things to steal from me. Because for the very longest time, I used to just fail in this alone silence time. Because I'm like, well, I must not think of them. I must not think of them. I must not think of them. And now I spend five minutes repeating to myself, I must not think of them. And nobody, well, nothing of value was used in this time. So I make a list. So if you understand this morning by making a list, if you have a phone, if you have uh, something to write with, make a list that you might think something that you might think will try to steal from you in these next five minutes. <coughs> and as we have these five minutes of silence, I want you to pay attention to what are you hearing. In the, in the silence. What are some of the thoughts that you might hear and think, oh, let's push that one to the back. Okay, well, that one might actually need to be the one that's heard and written down. What is grasping your attention? What is God trying to tell you in the silence? Try not to pray and think and, oh, God, thank you for this and God, thank you for that. Just complete silence. Silence. 